I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I felt not only I let myself down, but I let a lot of other people down, especially when I got kicked out of school for marijuana at LSU. And I think that whole year, just sitting out of school, not being able to play ball, I think it challenged me because before that, football was my life. And But I think not having football really allowed me the chance to take back control of my life. Honor to have Tyron Matthew, my guy here, as our guest to share his comeback story. It's a blessing to be here. Appreciate it. I gotta say, before we start, it's just for you two to have you, Darren, and Tyron here, two of my favorite guys, my favorite people in the world, and the two guys who this entire season stayed in the work, stayed committed to the work, and the fruits of that work ha- have showed, obviously, with certain. Pro Bowl awards and different accolades, but more importantly, just how you guys are showing up as humans off the field and with your family. So it's a blessing, man, to, to be here with both of you guys. All right, enough of that. We're gonna we're gonna get into the story. So, Tyron, the first question we ask everybody is growing up for you was growing up for me was today I like to think of it really as the best of both worlds, really. Obviously, I didn't have my parents in my life, my biological parents, and growing up with my grand, my grandfather, and my grandmother, and then my grandfather passed away, so I had to go live with my uncle and my aunt, which, which in reality provided me more structure, like than I ever had. That's actually how I got into sports, but yeah, that's pretty much how I describe it: the best of both worlds. So when you say growing up without basically your parents around. Why weren't your parents around? My biological father's in prison for murder. My biological mother just was never around, was never on drugs, never anything like that. I probably just equated to just 
not being responsible, I probably say, but she did raise all my other siblings, which kind of always made me feel a way growing up, especially when we would get together at like family functions and the rest of my brothers would leave with my mom. And then I was like the one that had to either go with my uncle or my aunt or find somewhere else to stay, which I always struggle with that. That's probably why I say the best of both worlds, because it always played tricks with my mind. And I think as a kid, it can be really, conf- I think everything is confusing <laughs> as a kid. But I think when you don't feel real love, you're just like, what am I doing? What do I live for? Yeah, Darren's answer to the question was growing up for me was confusing, which yours sounds a little bit confusing. Mine was completely different. Mine was easy. But one of the things I wanted to ask you with your mom, I know one of the questions, and I don't know if this question ever got answered, but that why question, like, why not? Why not me? Why everybody else? Why not me? Like, where are you at with that? And how has that question either been answered by her or by your own self-reflection and self-discovery? You know what? I, I could remember me asking her that one time at my uncle's house. We went upstairs for something. It was just me and her in the room. And I just paused. And I was always like a quiet kid, like very sensitive, but like quiet. And so I took a lot of I took a lot of beating, whatever pain I was going through. I kept it, you know, to myself. And but one day I did ask her, I was like, oh, like, why don't I live with you? And she really couldn't answer that question. And even today, if I think especially with who I became, I still don't think she'll give me. But I will say this. I probably say that's why I say the best of both worlds, because I feel like my grandmother probably made the best decision for me. And that was how can I provide Tyron? with structure. Like, how can I get him into sports? How can I get him around people that enjoy him? And I think her just making that decision to send me by my uncle, that was the second chance I needed at five years old, which is like crazy to think you need a second chance at five years old. But that's how I look at it. And I'm sure that wasn't always your perspective, but this is the benefit. These are the benefits. This is the fruits of doing the work, yeah. talking to a coach, talking to a therapist, processing your emotions, where I, I know that wasn't always your perspective. And so how would you answer that question? Like now that we do this work and a big piece of meditation, it teaches us compassion. We've got to learn to be compassionate towards ourselves because meditation isn't easy. Yeah. We have to sit with all those negative thoughts and all the limited beliefs that swirl in our heads. So it teaches us how to be more compassionate towards ourselves which ultimately allows us to be more compassionate towards other people. So how would you, through your eyes, answer the question, like for your mom, like why? To be honest, I probably couldn't answer that for her. And to me, man, till to this day, I don't understand it. And I always felt like I was a good kid. Obviously, I was very talented. People have always gravitated to me. I've never, even my family, I've never been a bad kid. I've never been a kid that deserved that. I'd probably say right now, man, I've moved on from it, even though some of the pain from that kind of still comes up, whether it be in relationships or different circumstances. And I just got to pause for a minute and remind myself that I'm not in that situation no more. I'm not in that position no more. I don't feel the same way I felt 15, 20 years ago. Wow. Speaking of pain, can you share with us an early memory of pain? Oh, man. I'd probably say my first memory of, I probably wouldn't even really say pain. I'd probably say just hurt. It was really just leaving my grandmother. And and I could remember me, like, calling her every day. Like, yo, when are you going to get me? 
because I didn't really understand why she sent me to live with my uncle at the time. And I would call her every day. My uncle would get mad at me. He would whoop me. Stop calling them. And after a while, I, I just understood that this is what my grandmother wants me. And this is what, probably the best thing. But my grandmother never had a driver's license. Like, she never went to the store. Like, she was a legit homebody. And that's probably where I get that from. And so I probably say that was the best thing for me. But had I stayed with my grandmother, Lord knows, you know, what I was, what I would have got into. Yeah, I hear a lot of gratitude, even in the pain. And again, I think this just comes back to, to, to doing the work yeah. and really shifting the perspective and knowing that it's not the event that happens, but the meaning we attach to it. And yes, it's painful. Yes, it sucks. And at some level, we have to have some acceptance. Acceptance doesn't mean we like it, but acceptance allows us to accept what has happened so that we can move forward and not necessarily stay stuck in the pain, but yeah, grow from the pain. Who would you say growing up for you, who was your first real teacher? My first real teacher? Oh, man, I had so many great coaches. Outside of my grandmother, I'd probably say Coach Lee my high school coach. And when he came into my life, I was actually an offensive player. And me and the offensive coach, we were getting to it every day. Like he was from his military academy and he was just on me. And one day he actually benched me. And so I went to play cornerback and the rest was history. And But ever since that day, even before that, Coach Lee would always ask me personal questions about life at home and why why was I in a particular mood. And so even before I shifted to his position, I, I knew he cared about me. And so once I got in his room, each and every day, he kind of made me realize that football is something that, that can really not only change my life, but change the life of the people around me. And for me, that was a big deal, changing everybody's life, my moms and, my, and everybody, even the people that I felt didn't support me how I wanted to. I always felt it in my heart that football would take me places to help them. And he was one of the first people to to really open my eyes to that and really teach me and show me you know, how to be a young man. Would you say that's the greatest lesson he taught you that you're still carrying, the fact that football has given you an access point to something greater? like? The football really supports a bigger mission. Yeah, and, and for him, it was always that. And I remember him looking at me my senior year and my junior year, and he telling me, hey, man, football is only, only going to be so part of your life. And, and at the time, I couldn't really understand that because in the same breath, he would tell me that football is going to take me places I've never been. And But obviously, I was grateful for him, man. I think had he not come into my life, I wouldn't have chased my dreams the way I did. It's powerful stuff. I think just to set some context, so I probably should have done this in the beginning, but we're sitting down in Tyron's basement. This is where every week I fly into Kansas City. We do about an hour and a half, two hours of work, yoga, meditation, and coaching. And so Tyron is getting ready for the playoffs. Darren, who is remote in on this podcast, is coming off the end of a season, but a record-breaking season. Just broke the single-season record for receptions for the Raiders. He's never going to say that, so I'm going to say that for him. (laughs) But cool, yeah. So just a little context of where we're at and and why we're here. And I guess this is the comeback stories. I'm going to let Darren get in here on some of these questions. But because it's the comeback, can you just tell us about the fall? Like, what was that like? And I'm going to let Darren come in and ask some questions around that. Oh, man, a fall fall from grace. That's that's really how I describe it. I had worked my whole life, really, ever since I was at the age of five. 
to be in that position. And even though a lot of people around me had already saw that in me, now the world was getting a chance to see it. And for me, I felt not only I let myself down, but I let a lot of other people down, especially when I got kicked out of school for marijuana at LSU. And I think that whole year, just sitting out of school, not being able to play ball, I think it challenged me because before that, football was my life. And But I think not having football really allowed me the chance to take back control of my life, and which I felt like was more powerful than anything I, I could have went through. Because before that, I put all my trust in football and, and, and certain outcomes and certain results and, and certain awards. And when I didn't have football, I had to put my trust back into myself as a human, as a person. And it grounded me. It humbled me. And, and to be honest, I think that's why I'm still in the NFL, going into my ninth year. And I've had, I've had some decent success. And I probably credit a lot of that to me falling down. We're getting back up. Mm. The thing that jumps out to me the most about you was I feel like you had such great like highs and lows before you were 19, 20, 21 years old. And it was like you knew what you were capable of and what you could become, but you also knew like what you were up against in order for you to get there. And so for this next question, I would ask you, what do you think was the biggest thing holding you back from being the man that you are today? I think it's, Really, for me, I thought it was a lot of what I told myself. And whether that be other people's perception of me, other people's projection of me, but I felt like it weighed on me. And I can remember my sister telling me I would never be nothing and never make it. And for me, yeah. for me, it like that was the challenge to prove the people close to me that I was special. Because for so long, I felt abandoned and not supported. And my coaches used to have to come pick me up for practice. Nobody never dropped me off. I, I don't have one picture with anybody sitting me on their lap giving me a kiss as a kid. I can't find those pictures. I can't find a picture of me open up a present. For me, it was just trying to make all that, but still trying to keep hold to myself. Because you don't want to live for other people. You don't want to do things for other people. You don't want to accomplish things for other people. But deep down inside, for me, I, I wanted the people closest to me to just really just believe in me. And for me to feel like I was always enough for them. I hear that, bro. In my journey, is I needed that love, that that affirmation, that affection from people too. Because when I was younger, I didn't have that feeling of good enough. Like it wasn't your pain, but my pain left me feeling alone, trying to search in all kinds of directions for wherever I could get that love. And it's crazy how now we can say, we can find all those things inside of ourselves. We don't have to look externally for those right. things. We can find them internally. And we got to go through those things and go through these low moments to find these answers. and. For my next question, I got to ask you, can you pinpoint one lowest point for you or are there multiple low points for you when you felt that things couldn't get better or you were just at, at your most lost? I mean, I probably had a couple of them, but after I got kicked out of school, I was actually still enrolled in school. I invited one of my teammates over to my apartment. He was actually banned from my apartment complex. I had no knowledge of this. But when he came to my apartment, he had marijuana in his bag. So the police came, they kicked in the door. Obviously, it's my apartment. So they took all us to jail. So that was like big headlines. But I can never forget me walking into that jail cell. And I always told myself I'm not going to jail because my daddy's in jail. And I just don't want to be that. And but I can never forget those dudes sitting in that jail cell. And I, I don't know these dudes. I mean, they're probably regulars in there. But they were like so disappointed. Most people think it's cool when you go to jail, especially people like where I'm from. Like right. you get cool right. points, like Tyron. Oh yeah, he's a gangster. Oh yeah, he cool people. 
And I walked in jail, and these dudes were like upset. And they and, and the guards had to put me in the cell by myself. Like they couldn't put me in the general cell. And they were like talking to me, like cursing at me. I probably say at that moment I realized, wow, like everybody's watching me. Everybody's inspired by me. And I probably say it hit me right then and there. That even because even the lowest people, right? Like people that you think don't have a job, like all these people are inspired by you. And for me, I felt like I let not only the upper echelon of people down, but I let the lowest of lowest down. Yeah, man. It's crazy how that low point can spark what you needed to change your life in order for you to become sick of yourself and the situations that you keep finding yourself in over. And in these times, we have a narrative in our head that we tell ourselves in order to cope, in order to get through life, in order to dominate in life. And I want to ask you, what was the story that you had to stop telling yourself in order to tell your comeback story? I wasn't a victim. And and I know it was kind of messed up. My situation wasn't ideal, but I was never the victim. Like I was always a good kid. I was always happy and I always had life and get around people. I could spark them. But for a moment there, you don't feel that. You just feel like you're a waste of life and you feel you'll never make it. And because of the people I feel like I was chasing and which was the people closest to me, I wanted that attention. But in reality, man, it, it was like, it was a bigger world of people and it was so much more love in the world that that was waiting on me. But yet I was just stuck in one place telling myself one thing to the point where, you know, obviously all those things that I've ever accomplished were in jeopardy. So I got to bring up the whole not enough thing, because as a coach, no matter who it is, no matter if it's the athlete or the CEO or the 70 year old lady, like whatever the demographics is, I feel like we all have this story of not enough. It's not our voice. It's usually somebody else's voice for a lot of times. It's our parents or it's, it's somebody in our childhood. You said your sister said, you're never going to make it right. But then you also have your mom who you never got that love. So I guess for the audience, I think it's so important to hear. I think they think that they see on TV, they see you guys have it all. You're playing at the top of your game. But what, can you guys just maybe both speak on this not enough story? Because I think we all have to stop telling that story to really tell the comeback story. So, Tyron, what do you have on that? Obviously, we all want to accomplish great things. And we all want to be all-American people to everybody. And But I think what, what I had to realize was that a lot of people – unappreciative of the journey that I'm on. And I think the journey that I'm on is one that's not only is it's going to light a path for me, but it's going to light a path for a lot of people behind me. And whereas I feel like other people don't necessarily think big picture like that. They don't see that. They don't see it for themselves. And for me, I had to stop believing in what they said and really start believing in what I was telling myself, because I feel like for the most part, I always told myself the right things. I always tried to guide myself in the right way. Darren, can you touch on that not enough story and how it's maybe impacted your life? Yeah, absolutely. It impacts me just as uh, as recent as this season. You can look in the headlines and see I had a record-breaking season, but I can pinpoint every week of me thinking, man, can I top a performance? Can I continue to go out there and uh, be this guy so people can approve of me? And I can tell that it's wounds that I have when I was little of people saying I wasn't black enough. And it's like, when you, if you're not black enough and you're black, like you can't change that. You can't 
career range. That's you and you stuck with that. So it felt like me at my core being wasn't enough. And so I'm carrying that almost 25 years later down the road, just now trying to find freedom from it. So if we don't address that narrative and realize that we deserve more, we deserve to think better about ourselves and deserve to take what we get and what we learn and give it to other people. Tyron said, uh, we're just going to be stuck in it. So it's it could be someone as successful as two Pro Bowl players that still struggle with that not enough thing. And it doesn't matter what success you've seen in your life. Material success doesn't heal any of that. It's all about what you're doing on the inside. Yeah, and I think it comes back to the whole idea that the only story that matters is the one we tell ourselves. And if we're not enough, if that's hijacking our lives, then it will never be enough, no matter how many rings, things, right. accolades, records we get. And right. for the the person that might be working a, a corporate job or the stay-at-home mom, like it's the same story. And what it has us chasing is something that is actually inside of us, but we're looking outside of ourselves to find it. And so if we're, if we are looking for things outside of ourselves or people, places and things like we're always going to be let down. So I think that's the reason we wanted to start this podcast and bring who a lot of people might see as superhuman or in the limelight to humanize and say, we're human beings. We have these same thoughts. We're all struggling. And even though my struggle might look a little bit different than your struggle, the struggle is what connects us. And I think that's what's been so painful for me to wa- to witness this last year with COVID, with some of the other stuff, the social stuff going on, the uh, election where just COVID, for example, common humanity says that if you're a human being, you're going to suffer. And pain is part of the, the shared human experience. So you would think this would be bringing us all together. But instead, there's separation and disconnection. And it's as a result of unfaced fear and unresolved trauma. And I think that might sound deep and heavy, but that's the truth. And I think that's why it's so important to be in the work. And Tyron, you talked about, I'm on this journey. And the journey I see is really the journey of your soul, right? It's like figuring out your soul's purpose. Yeah, football is part of where you're at, but it's not who you are. It's just what you're doing right now. Awesome. We always want to get into the rise, right? The comeback, the get up. So we go into gratitude. Like today in your life, what would you say you're the most grateful for? I'll probably say my kids, man. Got three beautiful kids, two boys, girl. And it just mean the world to me. You know, outside of a lot of things I feel like I missed out on growing up, I just try my best to double down with that on them. And I'll probably say ever since I've had my first son, Noah, I've been just focused on my future right? And, and my legacy. And I had Noah when I was 20, 21. And so I was just coming into the NFL. And I probably say it was a great challenge, great responsibility, but it kept me on the right path. And three kids later, man, uh, blessed. Mm. I think it's fitting that your baby girl was making some noise in the background when we asked that question. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's crazy to me that the things that we can't put a price on are the things that become the most grateful to us when we really do that work. And we transform into the men that we become and to hear that is inspiring to me and the next question if you had one original tweet uh, 140 character text that you could send to your past self with the wisdom that you have now what would that say i'd probably tell that kid man keep going man keep a smile on your face don't ever lose a smile it's cool to show your emotions it's cool to live i feel but understand them but don't just don't just use your emotions but understand them I'd probably tell that kid to keep going man 
keep going. It won't be easy. It's always going to be challenges in front of you, but it's a lot of people rooting for you. And I, which I think as a kid, I didn't really think that. Not having my parents around that. You just think nobody's counting on you. Nobody's rooting for you. But I tell that kid that a lot of people are inspired by you. A lot of people support you. And, and, and you do have a lot of love out here. But yeah, that's what I tell that kid. Keep going. <laughs> I love that you said <clears throat> smile first, because I, I do feel like that as a yoga teacher. And a lot of times people will be in their, their postures and they'll be going through their practice and their face looks so serious or like they're miserable on their yoga mat. But putting that slight hint of a smile on your face, first of all, calms your nervous system down. It relaxes your face and it just tells your body all is good, but then it also brings in joy. And I think that whole like going back to the not enough story where there's people that have gotten crazy successful, like crushed it financially, top created companies, biggest companies in the world who have that same story, the not enough story, which has got them there. But at the same time, it's got them there, but they don't have the smile and the gratitude. So I always talk about trusting the process, but really just being in the process and enjoying the journey instead of looking to check that next item off the to-do list or crush that next goal. But like, how do you want to feel going towards that goal? What's the energy you're bringing as you go? You can crush every goal, but you can also bring everybody else down with you as you do it. So that smile and that keep going, I think the keep going is the essence of, of the comeback. I work with a lot of people who have mental health issues and they talk about how many times they wanted to give up this year, but they didn't, they're still here. So you actually came back more times than you gave up. So it's just remembering that. So what would you say to somebody who, who knows they know the biggest thing holding them back, but they just don't know what to do about it? What would you say to them? Man, to just dig deep. Because I do feel like a lot of the things that, that we think hold us back are, are truly like inside of us. And I think if we can understand that and dig deep, and I think another thing too, if we could take the blame off others for a second. Like, all right, I know it's your fault, but let me take the blame off you for a second and figure out yeah. what part I played in it. And I think that that's how you grow. That's how you grow with people as well. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to your story and hearing your childhood and I don't know what you want to call it. A lot of bad luck, a lot of hardship, but the moment that we stop blaming others and we look at our part, even though as a child, what was my part? I, don't, I was just a kid. But it's like, how long do we hold on to those resentments and the blame? And when we stop playing the victim is where we can really start to be the the victor. And we don't give our power away to other people by not forgiving or through resentments or anything else. So I think that's where we find freedom. Darren, do you have something to add to that? Yeah, just when you're freeing other people of the debts they have towards you, you're freeing yourself. And you're allowing yourself to really appreciate these people and know that just like we're human, we've messed up so many times. They're human as well. One of the best things I ever heard, I was in rehab. They said people are doing the best that they can with what they have. And some people may not have that much to work with, but they are doing the best that they can. They're not inherently trying to do wrong or do bad. And that just allows us to appreciate so people so much more. And for this last question, I want to ask you, we can't be on this journey alone. We God's been blessing us enough to do the reps, do the footwork that we need to get to where we are. But we needed people along this journey. We needed people to pick us up, to hold us, to laugh with us, to cry with us, 
I would just ask you if there's one person, uh, who would you give your comeback story shout out to? Oh man. One person, huh? You know what? I'd probably say Patrick Peterson. And I'd throw his name out there for a couple of reasons. I thought he really believed in me. Like he was one of the first guys that truly thought I was an elite talent. And a lot of people think you're good, but not everybody thinks you're like great. And I think he was like one of the first people to feed that into me. And even when I went through what I went through at LSU, like he never turned his back on me. He always answered the phone, even in media. And which I feel like a lot of guys can begin to take the media side and versus the, the person that they know, because politically that's what you're supposed to do. He always stood on the table for me. He always said great things about me. He probably was one of the reasons I got drafted to Arizona. And I think just having him in my life, like it always made me understand like what I wanted to, to do, what I wanted to be. And, and that was a great football player, but also a person that was like really good in his community which I felt like Pat did both of those things. and But I feel like I had a, a front row seat to watch him be a pro. And then from there, I was kind of able to really lead myself. But I think getting kicked out of school, even when I went through my injuries in Arizona, when like, he, he always kept his head up. He always told me to keep my head up. He always put that shoulder around me. Yeah, I'm probably grateful for him, especially these last 10 years, just getting kicked out of school, going through those injuries, and, and always having somebody to look to for some inspiration. Hmm. And a little bit, just more backstory on Patrick Peterson. So maybe there's some people out there listening that aren't necessarily NFL fans, but Patrick is a cornerback for the Arizona Cardinals and Tyron and Patrick went to the same college and coming out of college, we'll say Tyron was a high risk. Everybody (laughs) was waiting for him to mess up again because he had messed up in college. And as you're sharing this about Patrick, I'm like, man, I've never met him, but I'm grateful for him too, because if it wasn't for him, I don't think we'd be sitting here because Tyron and I connected while Tyron was playing for the Cardinals. But I think having somebody in your corner like that, if you think about those people that have always had your back, no matter what, they've always seen the good in you. It's like, even when we feel alone, some days, like there are people that have always been there. And those days when you're struggling to find gratitude, just find that one person that's been there, someone like Patrick Peterson, who really had gave Tyron an access point and obviously talked the Cardinals organization into right. taking him and taking a chance. And man, it's just powerful. I think this, this whole experience is powerful. And to have both of you guys on here, two of my favorite humans. And for me, the guys that I work with that are the most committed to this work. And there's certain things that I, I don't think I'll ever be able to right. help you with on the field, <laughs> but off the field, the work that we do just to be free. I talk about yeah. freedom being, it's not freedom for ourselves. It's freedom from ourselves. And a lot of, I can imagine, I have a little bit of an idea, but like what you guys go through on a weekly basis with the distractions and people pulling you in a thousand different directions. And so If you're a young athlete or you're an athlete or you're just maybe someone who feels like they're being pulled in a thousand different directions, it is so important to stay in the practice and find self-care and self-love practices, not making sure we're not giving like our power away to other people by putting their needs before our own needs. We have to take care of ourselves first. And I feel like I just want to ask the question about self-love. What does self-love 
mean to you today? I believe gentlemen like you two guys are changing the narrative about what guys are talking about in the NFL. Yeah. And I've seen it, I've seen it in articles, seen it in press clips and different pieces done on you guys. But like for you, what does self-love mean and why is it important? Man, I'd probably say for me it's patience with myself and being comfortable with myself. And also being comfortable with certain outcomes and certain results. But also knowing that you put in the work that was necessary and that you can't control everything. I'd probably say you know, patience is a big part of my self-love. What about you, D? For me, I would say self-love is acceptance. There's a lot of good things I like about myself, and there are some things about myself that I don't necessarily like as much, but I accept myself for both of those and know that both sides uh, make me who I am and are working together for my good. And uh, self-love also means I might be going against the grain sometimes. I might be standing on my own, whereas there may be a group of guys going to do something else and I may feel that urge to join them or to conform to what this world is trying to offer me. But self-love means I'll stand alone. I'll be lonely sometimes. I'll, but I know what's what being true to myself looks like. And self-love is are both of those things combined for me. It's beautiful, man. I think I just want to close by acknowledging you, Tyron, for always saying yes, for always yes, showing up and being in the work, man. I'm so grateful for all three of our messy pasts that have led a beautiful moment and again it's just a blessing and an honor to be here with both you guys and um looking forward to what's next for all of us this is what i represent staying true till i'm six down it might take a little bit but every king's gonna get crowned I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.